Normally, we're reliant on Nate to say something nonsensical here. Yeah. Um, but have you ever seen it? What would it be like if someone made a robot entirely out of sausages? Oh, yeah. That's good. Or like, I think one of, one of my crabs is really sarcastic. <laughs> and then I'll say, which one? And he'll say, oh, it's Gimli. Gimli the crab. <laughs> or something like that. And then he'll tell us some baffling fact about shrimp. Welcome to the Electric Wireless Show, Rock Paper Shotguns, PC Gaming Podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion. My name is Alice Bell, and I am joined this week, as ever, by some kind of mage. Hello. Hello, Matthew. How are Hello. things? Uh, they're fine. Uh, yeah, just, uh, I'm, I'm, right as we speak, I'm waiting on a uh, PlayStation 5 to Ooh. arrive at my door. I've got a little tracking app, and it shows me where the van is in Bath, delivering. There are apparently forty-one deliveries in the queue ahead of me, which is I thought was quite a lot of PS5s coming, coming to Bath. Um, they might not all be PS5s. I imagine a lot of them are, though. Aren't I mean, they? yeah, a lot of them will be, but some will be. Oh yeah, you see, in my head, it was a van just full of PS5s. <laughs> but I imagine there are other deliveries. Oh no, what if someone does a heist on the van because it's full of PS5s and then you never get it? Yeah, I saw one of my friends on Twitter saying that the van app reminded them of like a GTA 5 mission where (laughs) you can see this van and you're like, if you hijack this van, you'll get all these PlayStation 5s, Um, which would be good. It's also a good way of seeing where all the games journalists live in Bath because the van's probably delivering them to there. Or students. Can students buy a PS5? 450 I, quid. I wouldn't have been able to afford a PlayStation 5 when I was a student. Yeah. Maybe I, had a friend who, I, I had a friend who bought an Xbox 360 on launch day, like a couple of months before our finals exams at university. Oh and that was, dis- that was disastrous. I can't believe I almost failed university <laughs> because I was playing too much Call of Duty 2 split screen. Um, That's ridiculous. But, um, mm. but what I mean, are you looking forward to all the brilliant launch games you can play on your PS5? Oh, I haven't got any of games. <laughs> I'm just getting the console and the pack-in game, which is the one I really want to try because apparently okay. it's got this mad um, sort of haptic feedback controller. That's what I'm interested in because I'm a Nintendo that... boy at heart, so I love all I love like gimmicky controllers. Of course um, you do. Of course you bloody do. And you get a little robot, and apparently when you're holding the controller, it's like, I don't know, it feels like the robot or something. <laughs> it feels like a robot. Well, it feels, well, and it naturally does, because robots are 
cold and made of materials like like a, made of materials a yes like a controller uh, um but apparently it'll like you know i don't know what i, I don't know what he's going to do you know he'll go in some moss and it'll feel like moss or something so it i mean i i remember there was a big fuss about the the last playstation controller cuz it has like a little um speaker in it and so it will talk to you and like if there's a radio playing in game it will come out the speaker on, on the controller and that but most games didn't use it yeah well, it's a bit like the color thing on the playstation yeah, you know exactly. the controller would like shoot out you know oh there's lava so it's red and then you look at the a, a tiny red bit of light on your hands and somehow yeah. that's meant to be kind of immersive <laughs> you're like oh yes i feel like i'm in some lava right now um uh, I I'm not getting either of the consoles on on launch. I'm gonna wait until they are less money and have more games. There you go. That's my hot take about Ooh. the non PC consoles. I'm currently watching well not right now because I'm honestly doing the podcast, but just prior to this I was watching Catherine's building a um she's trying to build a PC roughly the same size as the Series X. And seeing like it's massive. Well, it's the tiny little one, tiny little box. Oh, the series. Oh, yeah, yeah. The series X, yeah. So, and trying to pack in like as much juice into a similar sized PC case. Um, oh, I can't, I'm confused by all the different names for the Xboxes now. Yeah, it is. It is confusing, but it's um, it's it's very small. That's what I like about it. So, our PCs, we've got a PC in the living room, and it is just like everyone jokes about the PS5 being a brute, but a PC tower is. Like super obnoxious in the living room. It's just there. We got know, it the, just dominates everything. Well, my whole desk, because we're working from home, my whole desk setup is in in our front room in the corner. It right. is quite annoying, um, especially because we've had the men round to they're, they're scaffolding in front of our house, so there are men every day, like literally a foot away from me outside the window. Mm. It's quite disconcerting. But, it's, like but, a, but I, it's like a work zoo for them. They're looking yeah. through all the animals. Exactly. Me sitting hunched like a little chimpanzee. Or are they the work zoo for you? Maybe. I can hear all their conversations. One of them's been singing the same song for like three weeks. <laughs> just constantly. Is he all right? It's all the time. I guess it's like an earworm. Maybe he's just sometimes going ba da ba 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 da ba da ba 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 like that the whole time. Oh, They're not there now, thankfully, because if they were, they'd they'd probably be able to hear me bitching about them. So, I've uh, we've got some scaffolding going up next week because our roof is basically collapsing, which is which is cool. And um, they rang last night, and they were like, "Well, oh, the scaffolding lorry is really big." So he says, you need to secure a place for it to park outside your house. And I was like, oh, okay. He said, just go out there and just put down some cones or something. And he's obviously like a, you know, just a just get it done kind of buildery type. Very kind of proactive, very confident at kind of dealing with um, the streets, you know, like just a the confident streets. person. Yeah, well, I'm but- not. Like, I don't feel I can go down and like, you know, pen out some turf. I can't take the driving, uh, the parking spots like that. I'm quite, it's become quite a uh, thing in my head 
that I've got to do this. I've got to go out and like somehow fight for a lorry parking space within the next week, or yeah. I'm going to really let down and disappoint this builder, and he's going to think less of me that I didn't have the the assertiveness to do that because they're very assertive. Act- like you're actually like Mark Corrigan in real life. Very funny. <laughs> we just asked me to do something I'm not comfortable with doing, which is illegally taking someone else's parking spot. I, I also mean, like how casually he assumed that you have ready access to cones. Yeah, I know. Waves, then I, I just put some cones down. <laughs> I don't have cones. Then you end up Googling, like, how do I get cones? <laughs> and, you know, and then you're like, oh dear. <laughs> this, I, this is the level of... of and you can imagine the kind of disaster that's going to emerge from all this, just from well, this brief you conversation. Up, you can update us as, uh, yeah. as and when this I've got happens. a week. I've got a week yeah. to like grow some cojones and uh, and uh, and some cojones and some and some cojones. Uh, <laughs> um, that's. I think that's. Uh, isn't that Spanish for for cones? Yes, I believe so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I believe that's what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, eagle-eared listener. Do eagles have good hearing? Is that a famous... Do they... oh, again, if Nate was here, he'd be like, well, oh, actually, uh, yeah. they see they everything with smells like... or something. I, like, uh, I saw an eagle at uh, the Hawk Conservancy Trust which is like a, a zoo, but just for birds of prey. Uh, and they do this thing where they get a couple of eagles to like fly like three miles down a valley at like a group of people, basically. And they just, How do you they know just... that they've flown that far? Because you can see that because cause the valley is, is like straight enough, you can see them being released. Oh, uh, right. It's not like and then, yeah. they just come from around the corner and they tell you no, they've been they, three miles they, away. That's what they I get do. closer and closer. It's really impressive. And apparently they can't see like better. They can just see further or something. I, I didn't really understand the, the distinction there. But anyway, uh, eagle-eared listeners will have noticed that Nate is not here this week. Um, mm. He's he's uh, he's away this week. Um, uh, and I was unable to find a replacement Nate, unfortunately, this week. Um, but we'll hopefully have one next week if Nate isn't back by then. Um, but uh, that does mean that there isn't a cavern of lies this week because I didn't really think it would work with two of us. So we're just going to have e- even more, uh, what's the word, indulgent chat than usual, probably. So very That's sorry. I've got more people. scaffolding anecdotes yeah. if anyone wants them. So. We'll do more scaffolding anecdotes. Um, but uh, yeah, so... That's not happening, but the uh, Five Nights at Freddy's Book Club will obviously be happening, uh, the separate podcast, as usual. Uh, we would never miss that. Um, so, this week, I should have done the segue earlier when you talked about Nintendo, because uh, I said, speaking of Japanese things, like J- Nintendo is a Japanese company. Oh, yeah. Um, we're talking about JRPGs. Oh. Uh, yeah, and our favorite JRPGs. So, let's do a little sting. It would have been good, thinking about it, if we had actually got Catherine on, because she's mm. a a big old fan of JRPGs. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's it's difficult because actually a lot of them don't, and like some of them don't end up on PC um, 
at the same time as they're released on console, like specifically PlayStation. Yeah, but, uh, I, f- I feel like things are a bit better now. Like I mm. think a lot of JRPGs that are made do tend to come to PC. Like we're over whatever hurdle there was, but for a long yeah. time they were. I mean, they were actually a lot of them are quite console specific. Like weirdly, it's I'd say if you look back over all all console history, um, outside of first party games, a lot of things that were third party exclusive were also JRPGs. Um, whether that's tied to the character of certain machines, like you know, certain games feeling like they fit PlayStation better, I don't know, but. Um, I was chatting with this about Catherine last night because I said, Catherine, we're going to be talking about JRPGs and you know about it and I don't. Well, I saw, I know a bit. Um, and um, she was like, well, there are barely any on PC, so you don't have much to worry about, <laughs> which, was, which was handy. <laughs> but, I mean, there are some that you're familiar with, like Yakuza. Yeah, I played I played that recently. Actually, that's that's a, that's a good starting place because... Mm. Yakuza Like a Dragon is a it's almost like a parody of JRPGs. So it's trading on, you know, it's trading on a lot of stuff that probably hasn't been on PC. I mean, in, in the game, he specifically is a big fan of Dragon Quest, um, the main character. So he's like a hoodlum, um, Ichiban Kasuga. Kasuga. Is it Kasuga? Ichiban Kasuga. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's Kasuga. And he's, um, yeah, he, he mentions Dragon Quest by name, which I thought was quite interesting because I don't know if that's like a, do you have to get Square Enix mm. to sign off on that? Or if, if, you, if someone's just a big fan of something, is it all right? I don't know. It's not a, you know, it's a Sega game referencing another game, which doesn't happen mm. a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, so he's, even though he's like an incredibly sort of, violent yakuza thug he sort of frames everything in his head as if he's in a jrpg i don't know if it's meant to be like a coping mechanism you know yeah like if it makes it easier the fact that you know he envisions them as sort of demonic brawlers but actually he's you know beating he's the shit out of like an elderly shopkeeper <laughs> you know like i think if i had an unpleasant job well actually i say if i had an unpleasant job i would try and gamify it in some way like, I do do that, you know, like, yeah. when I'm doing chores, I imagine them as, like, you know, when I'm washing up, it's kind of how many sweeps of this plate can I clean it in and things like that. So I guess it's kind of like a version of that for violent thugs, you know? I, I don't do that. I, I, there's an, <laughs> so when I'm doing something monotonous and boring, like washing up, I do uh, the thing that... Uh, Kenneth does on one episode of um, 30 Rock where he pretends he's being interviewed by like Conan O'Brien like he like pretends to take like a sip of water out of a mug and stuff and he's like and he's like oh who told you I could do clog dancing oh but the, I'm sure the audience don't want to see that <laughs> <laughs> you do and like pretends to be interviewed so sometimes I pretend I'm being interviewed on a late night show but like not for being famous just about my normal life right while you're washing up yeah yeah interesting no no yeah I shouldn't have disclosed that I feel no, like that's I've... Fine. no I, I think whatever because it, it like washing up is one of the worst things 
uh, a human has to do. Uh, that yeah. is a first world problem, I would say. No, agreed, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely the one of the worst things I have to do. I used to do it as a kid as well, tidying up my Lego. Like, I used to love playing with Lego, but cleaning it up was just, you know, it's the worst thing in the world because there's so many tiny bits. Yeah. And it's got a lot of sharp edges, you know, hard corners and whatnot. Um, and I always used to imagine it was like a, a cleaning up after some kind of monster to destroy the city. And I was just kind of like the mayor would be in my head. The mayor of the city would be encouraging <laughs> me to tidy up my Lego. Uh, <laughs> That's really good. Well, mm. uh, on, What's that? Long car, lo- uh, <laughs> on long car journeys, I would imagine that um, we were like fleeing disaster or like some kind of huge robot was like chasing us down the motorway or like Christ. a or like a hurricane or something oh bleak <laughs> i know I like yeah. the robot one yeah thanks um, um anyway but yeah anyway but yeah so he uh they use this as like the justification in the game for why it is a jrpg it's because that's how mm. he like perceives the world um and it kind of it's 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 sort of fun. It, it you know it starts off and it's just the JRPG system. It's like a turn-based combat system. So you have a you know you can choose between like defend, attack, items, mm. that kind of stuff. Um, but as it goes on, he sort of descends more into his JRPG way of thinking. And there's a bit where he um, pulls like a I think it's a pipe out of the ground, and it's meant to be like Excalibur. And <laughs> after that point. You know, when he pulls that out, he becomes like the hero. He, you know, his his job class changes from brawler to to hero, and oh, that's cool. then he starts seeing everyone in the world as as uh, they're they're a lot more kind of fantastical. They've got like demon eyes, and they're they're, they're everything gets a bit stranger after that point. Um, but it's 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 fun how it translates like quite domestic, mundane things into sort of JRPG tropes. So instead of uh, classes, which are quite a key part of JRPGs, you know, like you have Mm. your warriors and your mages and your wizards and healers and all that jazz, here it's jobs. And you have to go to a job center to change jobs. And they're very literal, you know, like waitress, office clerk, um... One of them is just, one of the jobs is just homeless because you meet all these homeless guys, um, chef, uh, things like that. And they all have attacks that are kind of based on those professions. So the office clerk kind of throws, scatters thrum, uh, thumbtacks on the floor and she'll, <laughs> That's throw a wrestling sis- move. she'll throw scissors at people and things like that. Yeah. It has oh got, it actually has got big wrestling energy, that game. Yeah. Um, well, because like the chef will like, grind pepper into your eyes or something that's yeah what, isn't it? it's 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 great stuff um it's 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 a really killer hook actually because i think i one thing i don't get from a lot of jrpgs that are traditional is they're so played out in terms of classes that there's not a lot of excitement in that like it, it takes something quite substantial for you to go oh wow i've not seen that before and even though everything here has its equivalent so like the chef can he uses one of those little torches that you can crisp creme brulees with um mm-hmm. to set people on fire and that's just a fireball spell but just the animation and the kind of the the modern day skin 
makes it feel quite exciting and different. And and so like working through the classes is quite a reward in itself because they unlock more moves as they go on and you just want to see all the kind of mad stuff that they're going to do. Um, do, do you feel like the other... Is this like more RPG, um, but but are the other ones still JRPGs or are they more kind of action-adventure? The other Yakuza games? Yeah. Yeah, they've got like, I mean light rpg elements they've got character Mm. development like you can upgrade and buy new moves and things but the brawling is like real time um i don't feel like it's stat based beyond like the upgrade like you know some of the upgrades are like all your punches hit harder but there isn't like a stat screen um Mm. i think you can equip them with yeah you can equip them with you know various accessories that maybe boost certain things but they i wouldn't say they don't feel like rpgs to me um not in a traditional sense i mean this is like very very traditional like turn-based mm. um which in itself is actually like not really in vogue you know like jrpgs yeah. jrpgs have gone beyond those kind of traditions themselves like this that's why i think it mentions dragon quest in like that's pretty much the only one which is stuck to its guns like dragon quest uh 11 mm. on pc like is it 11 it's not 10 no it's 11 yes yes is um uh like that is still very straight you know menu based attack defend magic da, da, da. Yeah, yeah. But, like final fantasy hasn't done that for quite a while like it's been experimenting with like uh real-time combat systems and things like that so it's 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 quite unusual it's quite unusual in that regard um well let's talk about final fantasy because you sort of have to i suppose don't you um yeah my i was thinking like which which because i'm not like a massive fan of final fantasy i know again we should have catherine on um catherine's a, a massive fan of final fantasy um but I didn't like seven. I thought that whole cloud thing is very tedious. Um, I like ten, oh, which yeah. is on PC. You can get on PC. I think ten is good, apart from the ball game that you have to play in the middle of it. Oh, blitzball! Uh, yeah. Blitzball. It's kind of like basketball but swimming. Um, that was rubbish. But I like I the that kind Catherine of Catherine really likes that one. Not not Blitzball, she really likes Ten. We played Ten Ten's, together. Ten's really good. It's got that whole, like, the, whole, the, the bad guy is like a whale is your dad. It's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's pretty wild. <laughs> it's really good. And, and there's, like, a, a witch who's got, like, a sexy dress made of belts. And, like, yeah, she's, like, all belts and nothing else. Yeah, and then... And, that and must take like, her so long to put that outfit on. <laughs> like, I struggle with... <laughs> I I was about to say I struggle with belts. I don't know if that's entirely true. Like belts in general, I find one complicated, Matthews. Well, I find one belt a pain because a if if you haven't got it in your trousers, putting it through the loops that's Mm. that's a hassle. So that's hassle number one. The other thing is how tight to do the belt because I, I st- after all these years of belt wearing, I still haven't mastered it. Sometimes I'll be like, oh yeah, that's real tight. And then I let go of it and my trousers fall down. I'm like, was it tight enough? 
And then sometimes you do it up and you're like, perfect. And then you sit down and it like and digs like, oh, into you like one of those, um, what are those things in the Da Vinci Code? They like wrap those evil monks, like wrap around their thighs. To oh, hurt yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, apparently that's, that's not really a real thing. It must be. It's in the Da Vinci Code, the famed documentary. Uh, yeah, uh, it's like that. Like I did, did, like literally, like digs into me like string around a, a leg of meat. You know. Yeah. Uh, so, and she's like all belts. So it must be that times by like a hundred. That's my observation. I I don't think her belts are like cor- corporal punishment belts, though. No, but they're fast. They are belts. They are belts. So, true. Which, which, as I've established, are are like an irritating thing. I'm amazed yes. someone hasn't made like a better belt. You know, well, given that we're this is the future and all. What about braces? Have you ever tried braces? What, as in like dying, like I'm a banker? Yeah, kind it, of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, I, Tommy Wiseau, the the director who did the room um wears two belts one properly through the loops and then one that's sort of underneath his ass to like cup it and make it look perkier what still I over the trousers surely it builds but... his legs together no well i don't know does he ask waddle? him uh he didn't seem to waddle when i saw him in person he he walked normally Weird. What, yeah. what a weird affectation. No, I know. Um, well, he's he's entirely weird affectations. Yeah. More affectation he's an, than man. Yeah, he's he's a an enigma. Um but yeah, so ten is one <laughs> yeah. of my favourites. Back to the games. Yeah. I'd say ten is one of my favourites, and then uh ten two is good as well, because that's the one where the combat system involves switching clothes. <laughs> I think oh, it's very is that good. the one where they're all like pop stars? Um, it's well, one of them's a pop star. It's uh, it's Yuna from Ten is like a famous pop star, and then she's teamed up with like the other girls, and uh, they're looking for the um, basically the cloud analog character, um, and and you switch dresses, yeah, yeah, Titus with his creepy laugh, um, yeah, and. That you you could switch outfits and that gives you like different abilities basically. So sort of similar, I guess, to the yeah. Actually, that's now you say it. That is quite yakuza. I mean, yakuza yeah. you can't change jobs mid battle, um, mm. but they do change outfits. So like a chef has a big chef's hat, and I think one of them's like a he's like a sort of hip hop artist. I can't remember what the name of the job class is, but he wears like a kind of green tracksuit and chains, and he kind of like. You know, he does sort of street dancing. Mm. Well, but I, I, like Ten Two is the one that people make fun of, but it's I think it's good. I is think it... they're I, th- I I think they're really really interesting series. Final Fantasy, like as uh, from afar, because I didn't have a PlayStation back in the day, and that kind of golden age of like seven to mm. nine, where. I mean, they were just the most cutting-edge-looking things. You know, I remember reading, like, Games Master and looking at the screens and being like, my God, it's like a film, you know, I just couldn't believe it. And they made them, like, 
they they made one of those every two years, and it was pretty incredible at like what was the cutting edge. They seem to make them so fast. Like if you liked Final Fantasy, um, the PlayStation era was just you know lucky old year. You're going to have a a you know three whoppers, all considered classics. I would say um, to play, and um, and they sort of slowed down because I think they've always had that kind of. Uh, chip on the shoulder isn't isn't the right word. Is it an albatross around your neck of like being? Is that the right phrase? Is that a phrase? Yeah, yeah, the albatross. Yeah, something about like they because they were the cutting edge. I feel like they've always felt like they had to occupy that space, and it's become like a lengthier and more expensive process to be that, and they've slowed down as a result. You know, there's the gap, but mm. the gaps between them got wider and wider, and you know, and they began to like mess up a bit more. Like thirteen was, um, that was a that was a weird old, you know, absolutely gorgeous but quite baffling game, um, quite unpleasant characters. And I remember actually reading a really good, there was a really good um, Edge cover feature on thirteen, where one of the more senior members of the team. Uh, you know, and the team had changed quite a lot by the time you got to thirteen. A lot of the original folks weren't involved. I remember him saying, "Like the big problem we have is that we've got all these young people coming to the team who are fans of our work, and they bring like a lot of those traditions and preconceptions mm. which we didn't have because you know we the reason we were making these mad games that impressed you so much, and and the reason that they." mix things up so much because we were free and easy and we weren't following any kind of template. But now you have people who come in and, you know, the people making the decisions or the people who are on the way to making the decisions, they bring like, oh, I loved it when she died in Final Fantasy VII Mm. or I love the image of Cloud or we want this, we want that. And they just became like bogged down in their past and they they lost their kind of easiness, free and easiness. Um, and he didn't frame it like that. He was like, he was more like, oh, it's really interesting. It's really cool that we've got these people who bring this stuff. But you can see it in the games that like they're now made by like fans, fans. of, of, of yeah. itself, which is never good. I don't, like I don't think that ever works well. Um, you know, I, I guess outside of I, it's very hard to name a sort of big fan project which isn't like messed up. Um, mm. And when you pander to the fans. It, as in so many things, it, it always like derails what made it special. Um, but I am excited for the new one, though. Yeah, well, I was going to say Final Fantasy Fifteen was sort of like a big, quite a big change. Um, yeah, it, I really enjoyed it, but it did. The biggest change, I suppose, was the combat was no longer um, turn-based. Um, it was all yes, uh, kind of action, real yeah, time. It's- it's quite messy. It is quite messy. I think it actually, going back to an older episode of this podcast, it's like, I think it is a really good 7 out of 10. You know, Yeah, I think you can, you can sort of see it, that like it narrows as it goes and you can sort of see where different stages of development kind of happened and switched over. And so it starts off and you're in this fantastic, massive open world mm. and then uh, where you're just kind of going around, you know, in your car 
and then uh, you're in like a city which is a, a lot smaller, sort of a, a kind of Venice esque city that is has you know less room. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you and then it gets narrower again, and and you're on like literally a train, and then like a corridor. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's it's a it's a strange kind of progress, it but is. um, it really takes its time in the early hours. Mm. Which is why I think people like it because they get to spend quite a lot of mundane time with the three dudes in the car. Yeah. And so you get a real affection for them. But a lot of that, a lot of what makes it good is definitely gone in the second half. It's weird. It's almost like a flip of Final Fantasy thirteen, which was famously like a corridor and then opened up at the midway point um, where this one is like open world until it really isn't. And yeah. It it just it just feels like it hits the accelerator in the final ten hours as well. Like the story is just absolutely baffling. <laughs> it really is. And you had um, to watch all these. They remember they released loads of other like it was like a big multimedia experience. Mm. So there was, there the was like comics and, like, yeah. and an anime and a and a CG movie, which I went to watch with Catherine at a cinema. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> You sound like you feel ambivalent about that experience. No, like, I mean, that's the level. Actually, it might have been a press screening, so it wasn't as bad. We definitely saw it in the cinema. It wasn't, and... as, bad. It wasn't as bad as if we paid for it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we paid for it. It was, it was fine, but it's like, I don't know. When a film exists just to explain, like, a thing that happens in a 50-hour game, yeah, that's not really why a film should exist, I don't think. Um, hmm. But uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of slightly weird and messy, as all told. But um, this new one I'm interested in because it's got the uh, the chap who's sort of the mastermind behind Final Fantasy XIV, the online one, um, which I haven't played at all. I just don't really do the MMO thing. Um, but everyone says, everyone I know who does play it says it's like hands down yeah. like one of the best final fantasy games and like it's surprising it works like even though it is an mmo it also just works as a great final fantasy story you know it's got one of the better stories of any of them um which really makes me want to play it but i also don't have 500 hours to experience it yeah it's got loads of really interesting like um subcultural kind of things in it as well like the the houses and the the decor there are basically interior designers i think operating in in final fantasy 14 um and mm. stuff like that it's really interesting yeah um, but, but then, I like, yeah i i like the idea that whoever it is who is deemed responsible for that one working in this like really coherent way I think is now responsible for 16 working in a really coherent way, which kind of gives, gives me hope. Plus it's also a bit like, uh, it's going back to that slightly medieval-y kind of sort of older Final Fantasy or Final yeah. Fantasy IX, which really I, I, high drama. Yeah. Which I like, I, I, I am a fan of that, you know, as much as I like all the, the sort of sci-fi gubbins of seven and, and whatnot. Mm. Um, I, there's something about, good old fashioned sort of dragons and wizards and magical rings that make giant icy ladies appear and things like that. You know, that's fun. I suppose it is called Final Fantasy, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, there's not a lot of fantasy in seven. It's all And it does, it it does look like they're sort of 
doing a little bit of a kind of, you know, mad lads kind of best friends adventure a little bit as well, because it's also <laughs> about like a, a, a prince and bodyguards or something, I think. So, yeah. which is what people liked in 15. So they're sort of taking that as well. They've all got, they've all got like impressively boring names, which everyone was making for. Isn't it one of them called Clive? I think the main character. Yeah, the, like the main character, I think, is called Clive. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm into that. Which in the UK, I know that it might be different like elsewhere in the world, but in the UK, at least, that is quite funny as, as the, yeah. the name of a, a swashbuckling main character. Yeah. Although Clive Owen is quite, you know, is he cool? No, he was near, he, Clive Owen was like nearly super famous. He was nearly like one of the Chris's and he, he sort of, don't know what happened, but he, he just, just fell short. I reckon it's because he was called Clive. If he'd been called yeah. Mark or Chris, or he was almost a Bond, wasn't he? Isn't that the route? Yeah. Isn't that what they said? I remember for years, everyone was like, "Clive Owen's going to be the next Bond," and then he wasn't. And you were, well, I guess, because Daniel Craig kind of swept in. Mm. But I don't know if that was based on him being called Clive. I bet it was. I can't think of anyone else famous called Clive off the top of my head. Clive Anderson. He's he's not Bond material. No, he's definitely not. He could be a good Bond villain. Mm. Or like Q. He could be quite like sarcastic, like not M, but like the person who like sits next to M and it just sort of rolls their eyes a bit. (laughs) You know, you know that character. Yeah, Yeah, that famous character. Yeah. In the in Goldeneye, they had Judy Dench was M. And then yeah. do you remember they had the guy from what was that sitcom Judy Dench was in with where she was married to the old bloke? Oh, um, it was an elderly couple. Um, as time goes by, I want to say. Yeah, something like but that. But her husband in that sitcom was like her sidekick in Goldeneye. I do you don't remember this. Re- oh, I imagine this. I think this is true. I don't anyway. remember that at all. <laughs> oh, God. If Nate was here, he'd be rolling his eyes at yet another half-remembered, not interesting anecdote to begin with, uh, which is fast becoming any- the castle special. A- anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I too am looking forward to Final Fantasy sixteen. Um, I you, did um... think... Ooh. Sorry, no, go. After I was going to say, have, have, have you played or did you try... Persona on PC? Uh, not on PC. Um, I did play Persona 5, which was on PlayStation. How, uh, did, you feel, how did you feel about that? I enjoyed it. It was a lot more sexual than I was expecting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite full on, isn't it? Like, like, there was a ho- like the whole subplot where like one of your teachers is like a... Sort of a sex worker. Uh, I thought that oh, was yeah. weird. Yeah, uh, I don't know how like, old anyone was meant to be in that game too, which made some of it a little murky. The the pervy gym teacher guy, who's like the first one that you fight. Yeah, like you you definitely fight an enemy in that in his like dungeon that is basically the severed head of a willy. I was like, what, what is going on? <laughs> I don't here? remember that. Do you? Well, it's not like the severed. I say severed. That implies that that. that but it's it like it's like like it was like a treasure chest with teeth and things like that. I thought it was all cute. 
No, there's definitely like it's not like a full willy. It's like just the tip. <laughs> no, no way. I I am not. I did not imagine this because I remember being like shocked when it appeared, and it's called something like Corrupted King or some. Bull. What? <laughs> I mean, I. I... Mm. Is that wow? And no, it's definitely true. Okay, well, that's, that's fine. That's fine. They've always been a bit murk, a bit mixed. You know, the, 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 for those who haven't played it, the kind of the, the the hook of Persona, and it's relevant because Persona Four is on PC. Um, mm. Is that you're a kind of school kid, and you spend the daytime hanging out with your mates and going to school and doing all, and it's like a sort of a, a light social sim. But then at night you go into dungeons, which are kind of in the psyche of various like troubled friends, and you're trying to save them from their issues or whatever. Um, but they kind of manifest as monsters that may or may not tie into those problems, sort of. Um, yeah. It's it's less relevant in four, I'd say, because in five, which isn't on PC, but I really hope it does, um, the dungeons are like based. They're very themed on the characters, aren't they? They're like yeah. So there's like the first. The first one is yeah, this gym teacher, and his thing is that he's basically kind of creepy to the girls at school, and so he's the monster that you fight. Like the final boss of his dungeon is like a version of him. Uh, and he's like, I think like sort of a bit, he's like, is he like a bit, he's like a big king because he's got like an ego and he's drinking from a cup of wine. And I think maybe he's wearing like boxes with like heart. I can't remember oh, exactly. Yeah, but... And, and he, I, he can summon like little armies of, yeah. of like uh, female gym students to kind of like. Mm. Throw volleyballs at you and stuff, and <laughs> and then the second uh, one is an artist, and uh, the the dungeon you do a lot of traveling through paintings and stuff, and and it's very like paint themed, and then he he is made of paintings, and you have to attack like each bit of him, like one is a portrait of an eye and one is a portrait of an ear, kind of thing. It's very good. Yeah, but I didn't play before, so so we're talking about one that you can't play on yeah, PC. So, yeah. four, four is like it's weird because I, I think five is a big step up in many ways, but four has got like all the magic ingredients. Like it's five set in Tokyo, so it's a bit more like loud and hectic. Where four is set in this quite small town, so it's got this quite back backwards life. It has a bit of escapism, you know. You're a, you're a kid from a sort of city sent to this town, and it's um. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's quite a dull, boring place. So the fact that there is this strange mystery, basically every time there's a foggy night, they find a body the day after. Um, it's got like a, I know the cliche is the kind of Twin Peaksy vibe, but it it has that kind of something really rotten in quite a boring small town, um, which is a re- always a really, really good hook. I think like I, I find it very, very compelling and like. Because they are rural kids, they're a bit more down to earth. You know, in five, like one of your mates is a supermodel and another one's like a world famous painter. Well, here they're just like, they're just teenagers, you know, mm. like one's a bit dim, one kind of likes sports. Um, 
but the, the dungeons aren't as good in four. Like it's quite a generic. Uh, they're like randomly generated, I think, um, procedurally generated, just sort of networks of corridors, which are kind of all pretty generic. And then they have a few pockets where, like, the boss is always themed on the problem. So there'll be like a, you know, some kind of weird sex monster you have to fight. <laughs> um, yeah. But the uh, most of it's pretty pretty tame um it's really good really good music and very uh the fact that you spend a lot of time with your heroes in downtime i think like grounds those series and gives them like the hook that i find missing in a lot of games where you only ever know people as like an amazing action hero so they're quite hard to kind of like see what the stakes are um Mm. but here like you know, you're going to school, you're hanging out. That you know, there's there's a life you want to preserve. Yeah, um, it's cool. It's it's a very cool thing. I really hope they bring five to PC because um, it's just a, a really zippy, cool, weird thing. Mm. Yeah, I I I liked it. It's very slick. I remember people going mad for the um the menu design. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's like of... UI the game, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's um, super hectic. I know some people have some problems with them because there's some weird cultural stuff or it's sometimes a bit sniffy or dismissive of certain characters. I know in 4, I can't remember the specifics, but in 4 like there's a there's a character and it seems that the thing they're wrestling with is that they're gay. But the thing mm-hmm. that when you sort of sort their dungeon out, it's almost like they're not gay anymore. And no. Yeah, but that that's broad and probably I'm probably framing it slightly wrong. But there is like this. It is. It feels at times like oh, this is going to be quite progressive, uh, and then sometimes some of its outcomes are less so, you know. Or it's kind of like we'll all agree uh, to mind our own business with regards <laughs> to this character, and you're like, okay, <laughs> you know, like that's that's the resolution. Is that well, let's just let's I, just not talk about it. Not <laughs> like, talk about it. <laughs> which is a very I mean, that would be great in a very that would be like a very British RPG. Central you know, the RPG. You have all these problems, and at the end of every level, your mum just comes along and says, "Let's just let's just have a nice dinner and <laughs> let's, just, let's just not think about any of that stuff, and we won't talk about anything which will upset anyone, and uh, we won't talk about it ever again." But uh, it's I I don't I think it's fundamentally I think it is a series where it's like heart is in the right place and it yeah. has got a lot of heart and um, yeah. God is cool it makes me feel like such a dweeb like as, <laughs> you know not not because it's a nerdy game but like they're everyone in it is so trendy and you think I was not like this as a kid I opted to wear the optional jumper at secondary school. Um, you know that's the kind of that's the kind of person I was. Uh. Yeah, I I was not cool at school, and I, I I remember like when I went to university, like uh, I was friends with someone who really liked skins, and I was like, oh, I never got into it. I just thought it was quite unrealistic because they're all like going to raves and stuff all the time, and like like just take a like no 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 one I knew at school was like I wasn't cool, but even the cool kids at my school did not do that many drugs and go to that many raves <laughs> and and my th- this girl was like oh no that was totally what me and my friends were like and i was like oh okay 
Yeah, I, well, I, I don't you, think she's the yeah, you liar. Nobody did that many raves. That's that we didn't. We just didn't have that tier of coolness in mm. in our like rural secondary school. Like it just, you know. I think in our school you were cool if like you knew someone who had a motorbike. <laughs> you know, like that was like it's that kind of like oh, his older brother rides a motorbike. Whoa, Ooh. <laughs> what a dangerous guy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did think we should talk because there are loads of like we it's uh, Disgaea. There's like um the Tale series, um, but I thought we should talk about Nia. Oh yeah, because that had quite a big kind of impact. Um, because it was so weird. Do you know, yeah. like. It is. It's a. It's a strange one. So again, we were chatting about this last night. About, I think it classifies as a JRPG. That was basically. I the think it discussion. does. Yeah. I think like that thing we were talking about Yakuza being more of an action game. I think near like verges on it because it mm. like the combat is like very platinum, you know, like combat. It's it's mm. it kind of dodging and evading in all real time, but. There's a lot of stats and upgrades and side quests and and also like the themes and the just the vibe of it, I guess, yeah. feels quite definitely it, Japanese. <laughs> it's kind of difficult to to define, isn't it? Like, yeah, what, I, what I, is I, and is not. I've like, so I've I've only played. I, I don't think I've played through near to the extent it probably needs to be played through. This is near automata. Near auto tomato. Yes. Um, like I've played through it a couple of times, but I know that it changes substantially. Like it's designed to be like the sort of the, the not not to spoil it, but the twist in near is that you know playing it multiple times is required and. Mm. They are different, like they're almost different games. Um, yeah, it has it has so many different endings as well. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, like the characters shift and their mechanics shift. So it isn't just your re- you're not just grinding out the same campaign over and over again. Um, mm. But I haven't witnessed the full extent of that. But I think even if you just played it through once, it's still a pretty like astoundingly weird thing. Mm. Um, the music's great. Um, the boss fights are fantastic. I just love the weird sort of yeah. kind of shrug of of the logic of the world. You know how it all kind of sort of holds together. You're, you know, it's, it's it doesn't really do fancy tropes. It's just like a weird casserole of whatever the f- he wanted to do, basically. Uh, he being um, Yoko Taro. Yoko Is that Taro, his name? He's- Famously, uh, wears like a um, weird, like moon face mask. That's a papier mache uh, moon. <laughs> yeah, is it papier mache? I guess. Is he uh, actually? He is actually a bloke. He's not like a. Yeah, he is. I, he's not I, like a. I think he's not he... like a, a marketing thing. He does exist. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he's real. Right, a real man, um, and. Uh, he's yeah, famously like very interesting to interview because he like, uh, t- t- like is very candid. Like they, they 
tried to like the square did something where you could win like a free t-shirt and they just wanted him to like stand there and say you could win this free near automata t-shirt and he instead tried to tear the t-shirt off the uh the other guy he was with who i think was a producer uh and then was rolling around on the floor oh yeah <laughs> holding the t-shirt that. saying near automata t-shirt and then square enix <laughs> surely that stuff like Surely the mask comes off when he's just working in the studio, right? Yeah, I don't think he wears it all the time. But I think he said in an interview that um, uh, he he doesn't want people to sort of, for the game to be ruined uh, by knowing what he looks like. He doesn't want people to like really like this game with like a kind of hot robot chick in it and stuff and then know that it was made by like a weird old guy. <laughs> I think I remember him saying that. <laughs> oh, it's good. Oh, it's good. For, it's definitely yeah. good value for money. I like that. I respect that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do um, like the game. I do. I need to go back and finish it though, because I, I was enjoying the second run through and seeing. Mm. You know, I was getting a, a a glimpse of of how it hangs together, and you see certain things from like a different perspective, and that's. Um, mm. That's that's very cool. But the second run through, I think, from what I remember, and the reason I stalled was it is quite similar to the first run through. Um, like there are long stretches where I felt like I was just doing the same thing again. Yeah. Where people were like, oh, it's so radically different. I was like, yeah, is it? Yeah, isn't it though? <laughs> yeah. But it, um, I, I mean, if you like, for people who don't know, that you play like a really advanced um, uh, kind of combat uh ai robot who looks like a really hot woman in a cool dress um and you're joined by like a a kind of similar counterpart who uh looks like a dude in like little shorts and uh you as far as you know were you you launch missions from the moon i think and this and you're yeah. like um you were built by humans uh, to take the world back from the robots that took it over, um, and you and the robots look like little kind of little pedal bins almost. Yeah, they they are little, cute. They are really cute. And, but and I remember the first time when I realized when I was like, "Oh, this game's weird," because <laughs> uh, you go on a mission to like find someone or, or something, and you turn up at this place where there are loads of robots, but they're all like sort of pretending to have babies or like pretending to have sex with each other. These little oh, pedal yeah. robots. I was like, what is going on? This game's weird. Something yeah. weird's going on here. They look a bit like the Iron Giant, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but like just his head. Just his head of the Iron Giant giving birth to a baby in that scene, which or that's not something I want to see. Um, so weird. It is weird. Um, I they I think they are remaking the first near, which has got oh, really? some yeah, which I remember reviewing back in the day on three sixty and giving like I think I gave I think I maybe gave it a six out of ten, but what I was probably reaching for was it is it is like a classic seven, like it's a game which some people absolutely adore, even though it's kind of janky and kind of broken. Um, that wasn't. That was a bit more like you. You. You were playing like this sort of muscly sword guy who was a bit more of a sort of generic, yeah. sort of barbarian character. 
but it still did some pretty strange stuff. Like you'd go into a, you know, like one dungeon would just be hack and slash. And then all of a sudden you'd go through a door and it'd be like a bullet hell shooter. And like the camera angle would change a lot. And the actual style of the game would, would, would change on the fly, which is kind of true of, of uh, near Automata 2. Um, yeah, and I think he's remaking that one because I feel like, or they feel like it, it will be better appreciated now because I don't think back then they were doing the same. Or maybe he was still wearing that moon head, but he wasn't like out there like he is now. You know, mm. it was just a game that turned up for review and lots of people gave it six and then moved on. And then all of a sudden, because the next one turned up with a mad moon-faced guy in charge, <laughs> people kind of took notes. <laughs> so do you think now people will look back at the first near and be like, oh yeah, the marks of genius are there. Like- there, there are loads of people who, aren't, you know, well, I say there are loads of people. There is a certain corner of the people I follow on Twitter who are like big near heads and when people went nuts for Automata, they were like, well, naturally, you know, the first one's brilliant too. Um, so I think I was a bit too square to appreciate it. Uh, and maybe the second time round, I'll be able to understand its genius. Um, but uh, yeah, more games from weird moon face developers, please. <laughs> That's what I'd say. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to... No, uh, I, I mentioned it earlier, just a very little shout out for the Dragon Quest whose number I've forgotten on PC. I think it's mm-hmm. 11. Is it 12? Is it 11? Who knows? Um, it's really traditional, but it is like, it's, it's a really beautiful version of it, you know. Um, it's, it's the simple basics of the genre just done brilliantly and it looks gorgeous. Um, I think there's a expanded version of it coming out. I think it might be coming to Game Pass. It definitely is coming to Game Pass on Xbox, whether it's also coming to it on PC, but that would be a good chance to jump in. Um, I'm also just fond of it because it did really well on the video channel back in the day. (laughs) I remember Noah did a video review and people went nuts for it, and I was just like, yay! Yeah! Um, That was nice. I was like, yeah! I'll be doing this job for decades! (laughs) Um, but uh, yes, <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> uh, we knew that would come in handy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that one's uh, that's like yeah, really traditional, but but uh, very very good. Excellent. Um, well, and thank you for discussing that with me this week on the Electronic Wireless Show. Uh, right. Let's exit through a sting and then we can do some uh, some recommendations. Yeah, so that was me and some kind of mage discussing JRPGs uh, without mm. poor Nate this week. Um, so stay tuned for next week where we'll have a third person hopefully. And we'll do Cavern of Lies again. Um, yeah, so for recommendations this week, I mean, I have one. Do you have one, Matthew? Yeah, it's, it's, quite, a, it's quite a conservative one, but it's one nonetheless. Uh, I, well, I was going to recommend Season 4 of The Crown. Ah, or oh, Centrist Dad recommendation, yeah. Well, not, I, you see, I, I'm not a big uh, monarchist. I wouldn't say I'm like a fervent Republican either. I don't really, I don't really care either way. 
Exactly, um, send to us. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, wow, you got me with that one. Um, but I really like the crown because uh, I think it just draws amazing melodrama out of quite well-known people. I actually found the earlier series quite good for um, like post-war Britain politics, which I just don't know at all because I'm an idiot and we don't really get taught that properly at school. Um, I was like, oh, interesting. Uh, and admittedly, through the, the lens of this quite silly show, but I, uh, this current season, which is like mainly the sort of like the, the Charles and Diana stuff, it's really good. I mean, for the very bleak reason that, you know, it has this like foreboding hanging over it and mm. it's dramatically really chewy stuff. And, you know, I don't know how much of this can be, how much, you know, what it's actually based on. I don't know what Peter Morgan bases his scripts on. You know, if it's, if it's just a, you know, he takes the public events and then imagines behind the scenes or if he's basing it on like diaries or accounts or whatever. But it is like, it's really, it's like really sad. It's just a, a huge injustice for a lot of people, you know, basically two people who should have never got married. And it's just a rotten affair. And you think it, it just where it goes to kind of hangs over it. And the music is really good. Hans Zimmer writes the theme tune because it's basically, it's the Batman Begins of, of Queen dramas, the earlier seasons anyway. Um, but the, the rest of the soundtrack has got like big Zimmer vibes and the Diana theme is just this really funereal kind of organ Ooh. piece, which is basically like, like like her days are numbered from the second she appears in that show. Oh, it's, it's, and that sounds really grim, but I, I find it like dramatically very engaging. Um, and the, 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 the actresses who play Charles and Diana, they're, they're, they are amazing. I mean, like uncanny, really. Um, yeah, I really like that show. I know it's a bit naff and your mum watches it, but it's good. I, I, I find it interesting as a concept because I feel like it's getting to the point now where it's sort of getting a bit weird, first of yeah. all, that it exists because it's coming so close up to date. Yeah. And yet it's, it's not a documentary. Um, there, was, there was a really funny scene with uh, Andrew has only been in it once. And he turns up and she basically, there's an episode where the queen feels like she's not, she, she's like losing touch with all the children. So she arranges to have a dinner with each of them in turn. And her scene with Andrew, he basically turns up and then talks about this, what is sort of a porn film with this teenage girl who he finds very attractive. That's what he says. And then he fucks off. And you're like, Oh, it's, it's very on the nose. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and, she, and then she says, like, I'm worried about Andrew. I don't think he's going to turn out all right. <laughs> you know? Oh, come on. So that, like, come on. Because that's the other thing I find interesting about it is that I think a lot of people do sort of think of it as a documentary when there's no, no way, like, the writers can have known what any of these people said or any of these conversations or anything. No, that, that as it's gone on, the, the, influence of the present is a lot more keenly felt on it i would say mm. um yeah i mean that i know it kind of made me laugh but it was also a bit like oh sure <laughs> you know? that, is, that is quite funny because there must it must there, there must have been like the prince andrew problem in the writer's room do you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> you can't pretend he doesn't exist but yeah i just feel bad as well because for a lot of people it's kind of career making to get a role in this huge netflix show 
you know, like a lot of these people yeah. will go on to big things because of it. And f- to be like, to, to get cast as Andrew now, you're like, well, yeah. like, I know this, this isn't, this isn't that, this isn't that, that good for me. Like people aren't going to really like me because of this. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. The crown. Um, what a centrist dad recommendation, but there you go. I mean, mine is quite a centrist dad recommendation as Ooh. well. I think this week. Um, I'm going to recommend, I've been watching it a lot recently. I, I, people may know, I rewatch things, shows a lot. Um, and I've been rewatching, uh, Death in Paradise recently. Uh, that's that's classic centrist dad stuff. Classic centrist dad. So Death in Paradise is a, um, a detective show set in, uh, the Caribbean uh, uh, in a place called uh, Saint Marie, and uh, it the the plot in every there have been like nine seasons now. It's basically a uh, a kind of slightly awkward, uh, slightly strange um, English or Irish in a few seasons uh, detective uh, is sort of seconded to the San Marie police department and refuses to not wear a suit and is a bit like, oh, it's hot. Oh, I'm a bit awkward and everyone here is fun and chilled out. Uh, but it turns out that he's a brilliant detective and solves all manner of strange murders. There's a high murder rate on it for such a small island. Is it um, like Caribbean Midsummer Murders? Yeah, basically, yeah, actually. You've just explained it in a much more concise way than I did. Um, and I like it specifically. So you don't even have to watch the whole thing, really. You just need to watch the pre-credits uh, sting um, and then the credits because it's really funny because the pre-credits bit basically leads up to the murder and then someone is killed and the body is discovered and then the credits start, the opening credits start. And <laughs> it's really funny because the opening credits music is like this really kind of jaunty, like <laughs> trumpets and kind of, and it's like, da 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 Yeah. Um, and so it always, there's always this kind of segue from some woman like finding her dad shot and scream like, like it makes me laugh every time it's like oh somebody's dead he's been shot fucking hell your dad's been killed <laughs> so funny oh i do need i do need to w- watch that I think uh, I remember Tom Francis back in the day being a big fan of that because he said the mysteries were actually quite good. Like It was quite fun trying to work them out. Yeah, they're pretty good. Uh, in later series, though, I think it sort of becomes a bit... Because in later series, you get some quite famous people and actors turning up in it because I think they've cottoned oh. on that it's quite good because you get to be in... You know, you get to go to a nice Caribbean island for a week to... Yeah. <laughs> to, I- you know... So then, basically, you can tell who did it by oh the fate. Kind of, it's like oh, yeah, it's Nigel exactly. Havers, definitely. Yeah, him. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Derek Jacobi, definitely. Oh, him. <laughs> Adrian Dunbar. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> they um the other the, the thing I was associated with that show rather unfortunately. I remember. Do you remember when Zika virus was a big thing? Yeah. Everyone's get like I think everyone on. Who who's on that show got Zika virus? Did they? Yeah, yeah. 
I'm pretty sure. I remember just thinking like, oh, poor, poor them. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. But mm. yeah, that's, uh, that's my death in paradise anecdote. Whenever I oh, see it, go. I think, oh, yeah, they've all got the Zika virus. <laughs> uh, and on that note. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we didn't have uh, a fish tank recommendation, though. Oh, no, we didn't. Well, we can't really, can we? I don't know. I, uh, treat your fish to some ham. Some ham? some ham? Yeah, put some. Don't fish eat meat. Well, yeah, but I don't know if throwing ham in you. I chop up some really, like, chop up some ham really f- like fine pieces and then sprinkle it on your on your carp or whatever it is you've got and um you know it's christmas isn't it for them i don't know come if... back, nate please come back yeah i don't know if we should sign off on that if your fish die after you try and feed them ham, i mean i'm not bearing any my advice then you basically deserve everything you get yeah no I fair think. enough uh, well, thank you, Matthew, for joining me on this uh, episode 118, I want to say, of the Electronic Wireless Show, the best JRPGs special uh, with two people who are not experts on JRPGs. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, remember to uh, rate us wherever you listen to us. Give us a review. Um, it, I think the rating system is broken, though, so you can only rate us five stars, but that's okay. Um, thank you. Uh, I say thank you for um th- uh, thank you in advance for uh following us on Twitter and Facebook and uh for going to our merch store, which is teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash Rob Shotgun, uh to check out some of our merch. We're hopefully getting some new stuff next year. Um don't forget to join the Discord. There's a whole channel for talking about how amazing the podcast is. And tell your friends and use the hashtag uh fatblood and hashtag Big oats, uh, whatever you talk about us. <laughs> We're trying to get a brand going here. Um, thank you once again, Matthew. Oh, no worries. Thank you for having me. Joining me. Uh, and until next week, don't forget to visit Rob Pepper Shotgun for all your piece of gaming needs. Bye, everyone. Bye, some kind of mage. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.